0: Have you ever wondered how a song is made? How it starts? What happens during the recording process? How does an idea become that beautiful three-minute thing you hear on the radio? My name is Emmeline, and in Journey of a Song, I take you on a tour of a musician's creative process, from the very first notes to the final, fully-produced progression. As a singer-songwriter and an independent recording artist, I am intimately familiar with the magic of music creation. But I also know that each song has its own sacred story. Each week, I'll be talking to a different songwriter as they pull back the curtain on a favorite composition, beginning with the acoustic version of the song and ending with the final recorded product. In between, you'll hear a conversation about the inspiration behind the song, the decisions made in the recording booth, and the many ways in which music reflects and informs our emotions and our lives. This week, my guest is the raw and contemplative singer-songwriter Tussing, a Dallas native. Tussing is here to discuss his brand new single, Up My Sleeve, from his new album, Driving to the Game. Welcome back to Journey of a Song. My name is Emmeline, and I am here with the incredible Tussing today. How are you doing, my friend?
1: I am doing wonderful. Very, very good over here. Hanging out in West Virginia. My first time.
0: How's West Virginia treating you?
1: Oh, it's been amazing. It's gorgeous. Right after this interview, I just finished up packing up my backpack. I'm going to be hitting the Cranberry Glades for three days, two nights, do a little loop called the North-South Loop. Yeah, so excited about it.
0: That sounds awesome. Well, thanks so much for taking the time to be with us. I'm really excited because today we get to introduce our listeners to your song that's going to be out tomorrow. But before we get into the weeds, before we talk about the deep contemplative aspects of songwriting and all the intention that you put behind this track, we're going to let our listeners hear the way it started, the acoustic version, right now. Cool.
2: So still bleeding, my old me. Have I got time up my sleep Up my house. Up my house. Got all that you wanted from me, oh oh, oh, you, got all that you wanted from me, oh oh, 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 you, got all that you wanted from me, Oh, oh you got all that you wanted from me, wanted from me, from me, I'm still running away from me. I'm still begging to stay. Tried so hard to hold on oh, to me. Mm-hmm. I often still feel far gone. With my body on the west coast, my heart on the east coast, my mind. Somewhere between the moonlight in the evening, my son, I'll still sleep in my own. Need. Have I got time up my sleep? up my high sleep.
0: My Yay! Thank you so much for playing for us. That was beautiful.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, totally enjoy it. You know, live stuff, even in the virtual world, has been few and far between for me uh, this year. So yeah, getting to perform the tracks uh, feels really good. And uh, yeah, getting in, out to some new years, Totally excited about it.
0: Yeah, and live is really special to you because that's how you recorded this record, right?
1: Yes, definitely. Live has always felt like the right place for me to express, like even even when I'm playing, like maybe I'm showing a friend a song idea or something of the sort. I never quite get it to like that point of expression that I can get it to on either like in stage or in this case live in the studio. And yeah, this whole record, it's a full band record. It's the same band lineup the whole time. It's all four of us on our instruments over the course of three days. It's 10 songs, primarily all recorded on day two. Because day one was like setting getting set in the studio, doing levels. Yes, we kind of tracked a couple things, but nothing. I think all the takes we ended up with putting on the record are all day two. So it's about 12 hours um, and result in almost I think the record is close to like 50, 50 plus minutes long, so it's a long record too.
0: That's awesome. And for our listeners, that's rare that it happens that fast. Usually people go in and spend a significant amount of time in the studio, sort of hammering things out. But it sounds like you all went in and were really focused on what came out organically and less on planning how things would go. Is that accurate?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And even some of the stuff that made it on the record was really not planned at all. Like there's a song that starts with just vocals and the pedal steel guitar and he's doing this picking part that I think I heard his name's Burton Lee. Some of Dallas uh, Eights would definitely know him. He sets in for a huge array of big-time country bands. He's in studio on a lot of records. But anyway, uh, yeah, he was just picking this progression, the intro progression. I was like, you know what? I'm not gonna play. I want you to start. I'm just gonna sing. We'll see where we come in together later on so there's a lot of that where i kind of hear something i'm like you know what we could try it this way and then later on we have a you know three and four different takes of each song that on day three we're sitting down with and saying okay what do we think really expresses the song out of these four they all widely vary and sometimes in the length like i like to play especially on an outro I'll just sing and keep going like if I'm about it. So there's a lot of that. Not a whole lot of, okay, we start and we stop. There's not a lot of that on the record. It's like, we're going to play the song. So
0: Yeah, and that way you sort of get to vibe off each other. It sounds like there was a lot of trust among the musicians in the studio to do that kind of experimentation that you're talking about to say, hey, that sounds cool. Can we go with that and see what happens?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Everyone that I brought in on this record, I definitely have absolute trust for, and that starts with, uh, The producer, Christopher Hughes, who did my last record uh, before this, You're Only What You're Dreaming. And that's always been the conversation between me and him is that I've recorded at various home studios, various like professional studios, my own. I've made a record by myself. Like I've done all those different things and like finding the right person that doesn't feel like they're pressuring you to do anything with your art. But they're also right there, like as a total like helping hand for it, like letting it happen, but also knowing when to step in and be like, okay, let's move this, let's do this. So that relationship with Christopher was established quite a while ago. And then Bobby Orozco is a pianist, and I met him about a year before actually, pretty much a year to the date of when we went in studio and same thing just a real natural immediate attraction to what he does as an artist and kind of the conversation from the beginning with everyone was like hey i want you to come in and do your thing like this is my record yes but the whole reason i'm asking you to do it is because I trust your ear, I trust your ability, and I want to have as little control over the final outcome as I can, while simultaneously somehow still playing director of it all, it was really interesting. But yeah, it's a great collection. Honestly, my favorite three days in studio ever were on that record, and I was scared going into it, honestly, like doing the live thing, Only having three days booked and being like, "Okay, (laughs) let's do it, (laughs) because I don't have any more money to make to do more of this record. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, I think that's one thing that people don't always understand about going into the studios. It's a really expensive process
1: absolutely and um we went all out on this one we recorded at luminous sound studios mm-hmm. in dallas it's a huge like it's got the old school vibe of big high ceiling tracking rooms piano it was a like a steinway grand it was just tuned Three days prior to us coming in studio, wow. the board we recorded on is like a really well known in the recording industry. I don't know the exact name and everything, but like just all the elements to it were of the highest quality for me as a musician walking in there. I was like, what did I get myself into? <laughs> um And another aspect of the record that I think is really cool um, when I think about all the people that came together to make it, I'm actually the youngest musician on the record. So I think for me, that says a lot because like, I feel like a lot of people think if you don't make it in music young, like what's the point or something like that. I don't know. I know people that like, oh, you're still writing songs or you're still doing the thing. And I'm like, yeah, duh. Cause that's how, that's my life. Like, I'm not going to do something else. Like, what are you talking about? So to be sitting down with like guys in actually, I think the majority of people, and you know, maybe this isn't old, but in their forties, I'm just coming into my 30s so like mm-hmm. sitting down with guys that have been playing their whole lives as well just felt really right to me because i was like well that's where i want to be 10 years from now anyways is still making music still making records so yeah i felt really like it's definitely a great collection of musicians to do exactly what we went in there to execute and that is that that live that trust that vibe
0: Yeah. And to preserve that feeling of collaboration that you get during a live show where all of the decisions are made in the moment about Mm. how to get to the next moment.
1: Yeah, I'd say it feels really there are moments in the record that I know that I hear the spontaneity of like the piano and the pedal still like perfectly match up on these this little line that they both decided to do. And I was like, we did not do that on any other take. That was perfect. I don't know how that happened or just little, there's like some bass notes on the piano itself as well, that just fill in this like space so perfectly. And I'm like, if we wrote the music, I don't think we could have done that. And there's a lot of space on this record. There's no percussion, there's no like electric guitar or distortion that we kind of like fills up sonically. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of breath between notes. And there's a lot of like movement that way where yeah you can feel it in the lack of the music if that makes sense like
0: yeah it was about the space between right
1: yeah
0: and And about letting the audience into that space it seems like
1: oh yeah totally and there's also like i always love on records like you can hear since it is all live uh there's room sounds you know there's creaks of the chair i'm sitting on that it's impossible to get out of the mix because of the fact that i'm doing vocals and guitar simultaneously i can hear like shifts on the pedal steel and they're all really subtle. It's nothing that takes away. And in fact, I think shows like you get to hear what was happening. And yeah, that's it. I've always loved that from a young age before I even really started putting time in the studio. Like, you know, that extra little somebody walks up in the room to record their vocals or like sets down the guitar, you can hear it or something like that. That little like sneak peek of like, hey, this isn't a perfect thing this is music
0: yeah it's an expression i always describe songs as a snapshot of a feeling in a moment and i think you know ideally when we do our jobs as musicians it is an audio snapshot and it sounds like you sort of invite the audience into the room and then they get to fill up that space with themselves right they get to insert Mm -hmm. into those spaces whatever they feel about the song or the memories that it might evoke in them Mm -hmm. with the emotions it might bring to the surface and you give them sort of the space to feel with it and to be part of it.
1: Oh, that, uh, I got like a like a little bit of a chill listening to you say that last part of it, because that is how I feel about it. I've multi like the last record. It was a track. I love it. I think it has some great tones, but I think this record finally represents like we got out of it what I thought we would like the, my intention going in and selecting the arrangement of the uh, instruments and other things like that. Like we got out of it, the tone I heard in my head in a way, like, which is like so hard to do. Like, like and I was like, nope, this is, I, this is what the record, I knew this is what the record was going to sound like. Right? And so that felt really special too, to kind of accomplish that for Now three records into my solo career for what I would say the first time, really, where I was like, oh, no, that was it. That's
0: awesome. I think that's always a rewarding moment as a musician when what comes out is close to what you heard in your head or what you envisioned for the song.
1: Yeah, I like, oh, I kind of want to go back to the idea of that snapshot of a moment too, because there's a few songs on the track or a few tracks on the record that happened almost instantaneously like up my sleeve i wrote like in an afternoon and i don't think i ever wrote it down like i just played it well i had i had the feeling i I was like okay this idea is going somewhere i recorded a demo on my phone and literally that demo is the same lyrics i didn't change anything i i didn't do more with the arrangement I didn't try and make it something else I was like no I just got I grabbed that emotion I put words and a melody to it and it fully represents how I was feeling and what I was trying to get out and sometimes the songwriting works for me like that again there's probably two or three songs like that where the lyrics and everything else are exactly the same as the demo version I recorded the day that I was writing it
0: yeah that's a rare thing for it to come out fully formed,
1: yeah, totally. Uh, that one actually. So the first single, "Wasted," which is already out, uh, is the same thing. I sat down with it, and the very next day, I was showing it to uh, my buddy Corey, and he got really psyched on it. And I was like, "Okay, so maybe I already finished it." Like <laughs> he was like, "No, it's great." And I was like, "Okay, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna question it. Like it's done." And I think that comes from a long like. I couldn't always do that with lyrics or I couldn't always like really express myself very immediately. I think it took, it's like a long practice of allowing spontaneity in a, in a weird way, like in sort of that same way that one might practice Zen or practice something that is supposed to be like controlled accident. The idea of like all this time that I've focused into expressing myself in life outside of music and expressing myself in my words, allow them that when inspiration does come, I'm no longer calculating it. I'm not like doing, I'm not doing a thing. I'm letting, I'm allowing a thing to happen.
0: Yeah, I love that you talk about that as something that is intentional, like something we have to work at doing. We had Kat McGee on the show, who is fresh off the stage at the BW Stevenson Songwriters Competition. And what she said is that she looks at it as preparing herself as a vessel, like yeah, allowing yourself to totally be the agree. conduit. Yeah. And I, so I love that you talk about that process as an intentional process, because I think sometimes there's this misconception that you're either born with it or you're not, right?
1: Sure. And I do agree that is a misconception. I think, yeah, I do think there was always something in me that was wanting to create I don't think that always, I don't think I always knew it was going to be music, but once music started to speak to me and started to shape my relationships and started to kind of guide my interests, that's when I started to really sink into the idea of practicing the art of creating a space within myself that is um, you know that uh, doesn't hinder the creative process or doesn't judge it so much because I think when I was young writing songs I would be like why is my song not as good as this guys are like why do I want to do something different than what I'm putting out and now I don't really think about my creative expression in relation to other people's abilities I think about how it feels to me internally and so like if i feel connected and like directly involved with the process it doesn't matter if the song is a two and a half minute three chord simple thing or this eight minute huge piece they're all the same they're representations of my truest self as much as I can muster that to be a thing like
0: yeah you stop thinking about something as good or bad and start asking different questions like is it true is it honest does it feel like it's vibrating on the right wavelength Mm -hmm. and those are questions about the artist's expression and not the art as being of quality or worthy in some way. Yeah, I love that you talk about the lack of judgment. I think we get into so much trouble as songwriters when we, so I teach English in my daily life, right? And one of the things that we talk about is how you can't wear your writer hat and your editor hat at the same time. (laughs) <laughs> but like we as perfectionists are always trying to shove our editor hat on our writer hat. And mm-hmm. I think we do that as songwriters too sometimes where we impose some sort of judgment or some sort of belief or some sort of preconceived notion on what is an organic process that's just starting to happen and what we do when we do that. At least I hear you saying that what happens for you is it sort of shuts the process down.
1: Uh, totally. Yeah. If I, it's a rare occasion that I, again, I might not always write a song like in the afternoon or whatever like in a day but when I'm when the like when lyrical inspiration comes I'm not sitting down with like a big sheet of paper that has like nine different options of a verse I'm like okay I have these three parts of this song and mostly I just like play them till the next thing comes out I don't think like okay how do I say that how do I get from verse one and then say? how I feel what am I trying to say like I know some people are really good at like I guess I tell stories in my songs but to me that's more elusive Mm. it's not I never really talk about like a direct action or like specifically doing one thing I feel like I got off my train there though where I what I really wanted to say And that's probably because I put on my editor hat for this interview. I was like, am I sounding smart right now? No. Uh,
0: (laughs) I think that happens though, right? We, We ask ourselves those questions as artists. And I think we forget sometimes in the hustle and bustle of, you know, the rat race that is daily life, especially in a big city, that our job as artists is not necessarily to create good representations of ourselves, but to be true and honest representations of what it means to be human. And sometimes that's messy. (laughs) Totally. And to your point about the verse, sometimes we don't know where we're going next. Sometimes we have to sort of feel it out by just kind of retracing our steps. Mm. So you were saying that you sort of vibe on a verse when you don't have something next. You don't necessarily impose a narrative on it, but you start thinking, okay, I'm just going to sort of let this music roll and see what comes out next.
1: Yeah, I'll just, you know, sing it a few times. And I've done this live actually where i have been playing a song that isn't complete just because i really like it and then i get that spark on stage and i'm like oh my god i know the next lyric and i sing a whole verse and i'm like please let me remember that (laughs) like i don't know how i just pulled that out but that was it that was the verse like and i have a few things that have made it like again, made it onto records that happened super spontaneous and not even just in my own space, but in front of others where I was like, all right, trust yourself like, and just play it. So uh,
0: That's so cool. So if you're listening and you go to a Tussing show, you might be seeing songwriting in progress right there in front of you.
1: It is true. And that's kind of relates to how I was talking about with recording the record. There are a lot of different takes that are different lengths because I choose to do, I'm like, okay, I have these lyrics, but this time around, I'm not feeling like going to that. Or like there's a verse, one of the songs Changing Management. I decided to cut a verse in studio, but I still play it live almost every time I play it. So it's kind of like a hidden part of that song. Unless you really know the piece, you wouldn't know it's new or that it's not usually there. So yeah, I try and keep that spontaneity alive in myself all the time uh again i'll play songs i'll be like rehearsing for a show and i'll have a song idea and then i'm like should i play this tonight like and it's like why would anyone do that most people are like no i would not touch a new song like and i'm like no i feel connected to it today so i'm gonna do it i'm gonna put it out there and see what and see what actually sparked in me the first time if it's still there when i present it
0: yeah I love that you highlight that. You and I were talking a bit offline about how there's no wrong way to songwrite. And I think that's such an important message to get across, especially to young artists who are dipping their toes into the water for the first time and asking that awful question. Is it right? Did I do it right? Mm -hmm. Because... Yeah, some people like John Lennon was famous for being like, no, I play a song 100 times before I play it in front of a crowd. But, you know, Alicia Keys talks about her spontaneity. She talks about going out there and like, oh, tonight, maybe, you know, if I ain't got you has like 17 verses, maybe tonight it has four. <laughs> and I think that's that's really beautiful then, because what the audience is seeing is not only a representation of what it means to be human for them, but what it means to be human for you, what artistry looks like for you. Mm hmm. And then when they when they grab onto your music, when they find something in your art that they like, they're expressing their affection for and their appreciation of something that really, truly is you, and not you trying to be someone else,
2: mm.
0: or you trying yeah. to be the right version of yourself.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. That's really I think about it sometimes. So you know, I was in a band in high school. I was in a band immediately after that. I've been in various other projects that feel and sound different from what I'm doing now and I think back to like you know my first band never really getting an audience and I realized that I'm totally okay with never having gone anywhere with what I was doing then because I couldn't really have learned to do what I do now. And so the long haul process that has become my songwriting feels, honestly, I feel most connected to it now these days. And I feel most trustworthy of myself to represent my emotions artistically than I ever would have at, uh, you know, 15 or 20. And, you know, there are plenty of artists that can but for me yeah it was always a learning curve of like how do i really truly express myself in front of people and yeah how do i how do i make that how do i translate that to a record how do i translate that to a house show how do i translate that to a full band show like how do i grab that thing in me that i'm called to do and do it like without yeah without the winds of perfection without the winds of like Oh, is this going to impress people without the lens of like any, yeah, any of that judgment? And, you know, some of my favorite artists, I feel like why I connect so well with what they do is a lot of that because, like, through the years, I've seen them try different things on records. I've seen them perform different versions of songs. I've seen, like, so yeah, that whole idea that you're never. For me, you're never you never finish or what am I trying to say? The journey never stops of like learning how to write. There there is stuff too. Now that I feel a little less judgmental of my art, I'll put I'll like look up a song from like ten years ago that I'm like, oh, I hated that song when I made it, and now I have a lot more of objective thought to him like well that was actually pretty good like I remember where I was emotionally and I'm like you know maybe this was not going to blow anyone's mind but it is a like a true representation of what you're going through like go back and give myself some credit you know I guess
0: (laughs) absolutely and you can always retool right to your point like Bometheus was on the show at the very beginning and one of the things we talked about is how a song is never done it's due But the nice thing about a live show, to your point, is we can continue to reimagine those songs as artists. For sure. And I think that's an exciting part of the process.
1: Definitely. I think that's always been, again, with like musicians that I connect with or like the bands that I really loved being a part of, were like, I remember my friend Justin Hall, who plays drums on a number of my projects. I could always trust him to keep going with me. Like at the end of a song, I could always do something else. And Justin would be there. Like He'd be behind me like, yeah, let's go. Like, what are we doing? I don't care. And I loved that. I always loved that. And some of, I think definitely, especially when it comes to like bands, uh, some of the best stuff for me has always happened live just because there's that energy and there's that thought of like, you know, you just feel it and you're like, I'm just going to go with what we're doing here. And
0: It's a great metaphor for life, too, to find somebody who will always keep going with you. Yeah. To find friends who will always keep going with you. And it's funny, right? Because I feel like the push and pull that you're discussing that happens in art and that happens as an artist is also the push and pull you articulate in this song. When you say, I'm still running away from me, like I'm still begging to stay from me, like I've tried so hard to hold on to me. I feel like those are Mm. conversations we have with ourselves as artists and that just everybody goes through. That seems to be a universal sentiment is that sometimes finding yourself is easy and sometimes finding yourself is hard. Totally. And it's never done.
1: Yeah, I totally agree and I love that you kind of grabbed onto those lyrics to represent it because this song plays a little bit with like in some ways I think one could translate it to be a love song, but I don't think that segment is about like, you know, it starts like, in you, you got all that you wanted from me. Like, that's a very typical thought of like a lover or like a relationship. It's like, okay, you got it. But it's, yeah, it's really like a conversation with myself. I was like, okay, did we go for it? Okay, we didn't. Okay, what is it that you still want? So I think it plays with, it's, it is both like a love song. Because some of the lyrics, like my body on the West Coast, my heart on the East Coast, is actually about me living on the West coast while a previous partner had moved out East. So it starts with that, but it is more of like an internal conversation of like, okay, where do we go from here? And yeah, I love that. That's I so film.
0: interesting. I, I think it's so funny how when we're writing a song, what we're essentially doing is opening up to align to our subconscious, right? We're allowing the part of ourself that, you know, cries or whines or moans or sighs or gets gets emotional at inconvenient times to speak (laughs) and sometimes the song will begin as one thing and then we realize that the person we think we're talking to isn't really who we're talking to
2: Mm,
1: yeah totally
0: and it seems like that's sort of what you're talking about here is that like it started one way it
1: totally did and it's i'm having a kind of a new thought about it as well it was started in a way like I at the time sort of wanted to repair that relationship, and then like later on, I realized it's actually not what I wanted at all. So I was like fighting it the whole time, like thinking I should be able to be there for this person, or thinking I should force myself into like some version of how I saw things playing out. And so it's like, yeah, uh, I can't remember exactly what you said just before I started saying that, but. Oh yeah, you said as it starts as a conversation to who we think we're talking to, and then when I realize it's actually yeah something else, and I totally agree with that. I think I sat down with the intent of like even as I picture it now, I can remember sitting on the porch of the house I lived in in uh, California, and like being still kind of broken up about the relationship ending, and being like, oh you know, write a love song or like whatever, and like I don't think that's what I did with that
0: song i love that you say that I. it's funny right because i feel like sometimes our songs reveal to us what we were actually thinking Mm -hmm. and it sounds like you sort of had that experience where you go back and you're like oh oh no i said what i was thinking before i was just trying to fight it
2: Mm -hmm.
0: yeah i it's really a beautiful gift i think to be able to go back to things you've written and allow them to teach you something.
1: Ooh, absolutely. It's kind of, it goes back to what you were talking about earlier, like creating a vessel for inspiration. It's like as much as as an artist, you're writing these songs for other people to hear and for them to create their own experience. It can also yeah, create a whole experience for you and where you do have those realizations and you do have, like it takes you on your own emotional trip and you're like, oh, I wasn't just writing something to entertain someone. I was like dealing with something. And like, yeah, the biggest lesson here is for me. Whoa, weird. Like, and yeah, you're
0: like, welcome everybody else to my personal therapy session. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I I think that that's the beauty sometimes of songs, especially for those of us who play live a lot. And for you who changes a song live, you get to grow with the song and the song grows with you. And you change each other as you go along. Totally. <laughs> I was totally. just going to say, I love that you end with, have I got time up my sleeve? Because, right, it could be an exclamation, but it could also be a question. And I like the ambiguity of the phrasing in that just as a listener, because I think it addresses, you know, a question that we all ask ourselves is, you know, do we have time? Can we grow?
2: Mm
1: yeah then and that's a weird pressure it's kind of a weird thought to to do with growth as well is um thinking that there is an end point so being like oh do i have enough time to grow and be the person i'm supposed to be or to feel the way i'm supposed to feel and like you can actually that kind of stagnates as well kind of in the same way that you could stagnate a song being like Oh, am I saying, am I doing the right thing? Is this good enough for other people to hear? And it's like, you freeze the process with, once you look at the process, it's no longer moving. Like you take, yeah, like you're saying, like with the writing and the editing, like once you're step too far back from it, you can't be there, but you kind of have to toy with both enough to know when you feel good about something.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's, it's insane to look back and realize how many constraints we sometimes put on ourselves. Mm. And I, you know, I think, like I said, I love the double meaning of that line, because I think it, it reminds us that we could have all the time, right? Mm. Like who's imposing the time limit? It's not like there's somebody standing behind us with a stopwatch going, have you grown yet? Have you grown yet? Are you, are you who you're supposed to be yet? For those who, for those of you who aren't watching, Tessing had air quotes around supposed to be which is Ah, so important because it is, it's just a thing we impose on ourselves. And yeah, I love that you highlight that.
1: As you were saying that last bit as well, it kind of sparked in me the, so we haven't talked about the title of the record. The title of the record that Up My Sleeve is on is Driving to the Game. And for me, that is the exact process of never arriving to an endpoint so this that song itself driving to the game is like and and when i'm awake you can bet i'm cheering for you and when i'm asleep while i'm driving to or i've got it backwards funny enough trying to quote your own work i was like should i sing it that would make it easier to just not speak it no it's so yeah
0: it's not a copyright violation you wrote it
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's true when i'm asleep you can bet I'm cheering for you, and when I'm away, well, I'm driving to the game. So it's like that subconscious space of being like, for me, I do actually do like a lot of internal processing. It seems like when I'm asleep, sometimes maybe too much. I wake up and I was like, "Why was that so intense?" Um, but so yeah, the driving to the game is about. Yeah, the constant process and being okay with that process, like that being what you're doing, rather than getting to the the, the game, the event, the the moment. It's like, no, take the drive and watch mm-hmm. the drive and feel the thing and like be okay with never getting anywhere if that's what's gonna happen
2: be or present. not. Like, yeah, yeah.
0: That's that's so neat. So it's about the drive to the game and not the game itself. Yeah. We spend so much time as humans fighting the inevitable as yeah. though we have any control over it. And it seems like that's that's a concept that you wrestle with a lot in your writing.
1: Yeah, for sure. So on Wasted, I, in an interview, spoke about it being like a farewell to my former self. And like a lot of concepts in this Record are about moving on, but acknowledging the things that have shaped you in order to be able to be like, okay, I'm moving on. And also, again, the recognition of like the beauty of those experiences and not like moving on because not like, okay, I'm leaving all that behind, but like moving on because, again, that's inevitable. That's the thing you go forward whether you want to or not. And so, spending too much time processing and everything else again like we've said just holds it up what, what did you say earlier you said it kind of perfectly you're like uh all the constraints well i don't know if you remember how you said that but you're like it's kind of crazy the amount of constraints yeah. we put on ourselves like in not just art but in life as well and then you time, take a breath and you look back and you're like what was i controlling nothing I didn't have a handle on it anyways. All I did was mentally exhaust myself to pretend that I was going to make a decision that was good for me. Like,
0: Yeah, exactly. It's Yeah, we spend a lot of time trying to exercise control we don't have. It makes me think of when you're a little kid. I, I don't know if you ever had this experience. When I was little, the Disney store sold something called Fairy Dust. And naturally, we all bought it, right? Because that was when Peter Pan had come out and you sprinkled fairy dust and people could fly. So my friends and I, like morons, took turns as tiny humans, sprinkling each other with fairy dust and trying to jump off the edge of the bed and fly. Spoiler alert for those of you who are listening. It did not work.
1: For those of you who are looking on Amazon right now for fairy
0: dust. For those of you who are waiting with bated breath for the end of the story. <laughs> nobody flew. A lot of us fell down. Nobody flew. But what was funny was we were convinced that we were doing something wrong and that if we just like shifted our (laughs) positioning a little bit or if we flapped our arms a little bit harder or we would watch the scene in Peter Pan where they fly and we would be like, they basically levitate. Like, how do we do that? Yeah. Maybe we need more fairy. I had glitter in my hair for like weeks. But I feel like that's a metaphor for how we are as people. Like we're convinced that if we exert some sort of control over something, we can change the outcome. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you you make that poignant observation that I'm still running away from me. Like the subject of this song changes over time. You start with my body, my heart, my mind, you, and then you end up with I. Like, oh, it's me. It's not a part of me. It's not you. It's not the natural forces encroaching. It is my action. I'm still running away from me. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's a really keen insight and a really beautiful emotional progression to watch play out in real time.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. I uh, I still get surprised by my own lyrics on a regular basis, for
0: sure. When you don't always write them down. Like you said, for this song, it was all of us. <laughs> yeah, I didn't.
1: I don't think they're... I really, truly don't think the lyrics for Up My Sleeve are written anywhere.
0: I wrote um, them down in preparation for our chat. I'll send them to you. <laughs>
1: just so I have them yeah that's good
0: so finally they're written down somewhere right oh well you know
1: did I send no I think I've only sent out lyrics for wasted I can't remember if I've typed out any other lyrics for PR or anything like that that's always a fun exercise to like go back to the songs that I didn't write and like actually try and write them.
0: You're like, um, what was I saying? What yeah. was that word? Yeah i I think it's a lot of songwriters talk about how once they've recorded a song, if they continue to play it live, the lyrics start to change over time. Like you're playing a game of telephone with yourself.
1: <laughs> yeah, I've definitely had. Uh, well, I mean, in the live setting of tracking this record, there were a couple times where I did do different lyrics, and they could have been fine. But I was like, no, I wanted to go a different direction. Like, why does my mind keep pulling me back to doing it this way? And again, some of it, I don't think it's really like a correct version. But yeah, it was funny. I remember, uh, yeah, just like, like you said, playing that telephone. You're like, why does it? Why is I know this song? Why am I morphing it into this other thing?
0: Sometimes that's where your head is that day. It's your subconscious trying to tell you something.
1: It's true. And mostly I would say I listen, but other times I'm like, get
0: away from me. (laughs) Sometimes you're ready to be the vessel and sometimes you're not. So I'm super stoked because people are going to be able to hear Up My Sleeve tomorrow all over streaming platforms. They can go ahead and download it, play it, add it to their playlists. If people want to continue to follow your music, if people want the full record, driving to the game, where's the best place for them to find and follow you?
1: If you visit my Instagram page, which is at D double E Tussing, T-U-S-I-N-G, I have a link tree page there, which I continually update, like whether it's the single, I've got so that that's the best, I think one one stop shop, whatever you call it, you know. <laughs> If you click that link through the next few months, there should always be something new on that. And that'll take you to my Spotify, which I'm planning to do like a... uh, A pre-save for this which i really like that's again when i was kind of talking about focusing on like spotify i like some of the options they have for customizing it from your end as an artist but if you're not on instagram uh you can also find myself on bandcamp it's tussing.bandcamp.com it's my longest standing platform i've had that thing for like 10 or 12 years I don't know if people ever go to it, but it's there and I (laughs) update it. I know some people purchase music through Bandcamp and stuff. Then, uh, yeah, Spotify. My artist name is Tussing. But as well, you can find it on any streaming platform of your preference. Apple Music, uh, Pandora, all that good stuff. Over the summer, intend to put most of my content out through
0: Instagram. That's awesome. So that's Instagram and it's at... D-Tussing, D-E-E-T-U-S-I-N-G. If you're listening on the radio, again, Tussing, T-U-S-I-N-G. And if you're listening to us on a podcast, all you have to do is scroll up and it will be linked in the show notes. So you can just click and follow.
1: Very classy.
0: I We, we do what we can. Um, um, that's one of the things that I like about the podcast is it affords us a lot of, you know, capabilities, just like you have options as a podcast artist.
1: Totally. And... It's surprisingly funny. I like you really do have to make it as easy as possible. Now, with how quickly people can move through platforms like scrolling or whatever, you have to have it very simplistic for people to, even if it's something they're interested in, to follow through. And that's not hating on anything, you know, it's just how it is. But yeah, I, I really love that. Like anytime I try to, yeah, make it as simple as possible to find all the things and enjoy uh, my music through just a few clicks.
0: <laughs> exactly. So if you like it, click again and share it. Um, yep, absolutely. You can also listen to Up My Sleeve tomorrow when it appears on Spotify on the Journey of a Song Playlist. On Spotify, where you can hear all of the other artists who've been kind enough to chat songwriting with me. Tussing, thank you so much for taking the time today to come on and chat. I really appreciate it, especially in the midst of all of your travels. Say hi to West Virginia for us.
1: Oh, I will. We're about to get it going. Cranberry Glades. I'm excited. It's my first time hiking out east. So I'm really stoked on that. Um, But yeah, you know, again, thank you for having me. I truly enjoyed this conversation for sure. Just like with my songwriting, I was like sitting down like, what am I going to say on this interview? (laughs) And then you're like, what you have to do is not think about saying anything. and just talk. So, you know, I was sitting with that right before we logged in where I'm like, okay, just let it happen. You don't have to represent anything other than how you feel right now.
0: Exactly. I love that message. I I hope our listeners take that to heart that you don't have to represent anything other than what you feel right now. That's Mm -hmm. beautiful. And with that in mind, we're going to get to play an exclusive here before the single comes out. They're going to get to hear it right here on Deep Elm Radio. Would you like to introduce your song?
1: Well, everyone, thank you so much for tuning in to Deep Elm Radio. Up next here is Up My Sleeve, my second single off my upcoming album, Driving to the Game. Thank you so much.
2: still sleeping, my, oh my, why can't that be me? My arm are still reaching, my hands still beating. my, oh me, have I got time up my sleep, up my sleep? Mmm.
0: much for joining me for this week's episode of journey of a song featuring up my sleeve by tussing to learn more about tussing or to follow his musical journey find him on instagram at d tussing that's at d-e-e-t-u-s-i-n-g you can also find tussing on spotify apple music and all of your favorite streaming platforms for behind the scenes glimpses and more about journey of a song follow me on instagram at @emeline_music. music that's at e-m-m-e-l-i-n-e music don't forget to check out my other podcast, Journey of an Artist, wherever you listen to podcasts. Journey of a Song airs Thursday nights at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time on Deep LM Radio, and each episode is available as a podcast the very next day. Discover new music and hear fascinating stories with me, Emmeline, every Friday on your favorite podcast app. If you're enjoying the show, please don't forget to like, follow, and subscribe. This is only the beginning, and I don't want you to miss a single minute of these inspiring conversations. If a picture is worth a thousand words, a song is worth a thousand stories.